0: Nonstop Talk Radio, streaming 24 hours a day. TalkZone.com TalkZone.com
1: Good day. Welcome to Healthy Talk Radio. I'm Deborah Ray. Well, a doctor in South Korea suspects it was an exploding cell phone battery that led to the death of a South Korean worker. Apparently, they found his mobile phone battery melted in his shirt pocket. Kind of makes you want to put that cell phone someplace else other than right up beside your body. <laughs> is um, the expert who joins us on a regular basis when we talk healthy pet talk. He's Dr. Wacky, um, also known as uh, Dr. Eric Witherspoon. I guess that's what his parents (laughs) named him. He's a noted vet uh, who has a wide uh, knowledge in terms of taking a more natural approach to our pets' nutrition, to remedies for them. He joins us today and we'll talk about some of that individuality. You don't want to, uh, to buy your children maybe a border collie if you live in an apartment. We'll talk about individuality as it relates to uh, our animals' temperament and their nutrition and open phone lines for you to talk with Dr. Wacky. Healthy Pet Talk today on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: Now the news and views about the news you won't hear anywhere else. The Healthy Talk Radio News Digest.
1: This is intriguing indeed and it seems to pull the the dots together in any number of respects. One, we have forever uh, changed the lifestyle Uh, in industrialized countries. We exported the four basic food groups, which now (laughs) correlate to McDonald's, Wendy's, Burger King, and Taco Bell, uh, and are are seeing obesity, heart disease, arthritis, cancer, uh, follow Um, This this change in lifestyle, particularly this change in nutrition uh, as well as the accompanying sedentation that that often goes hand-in-hand with that Western lifestyle. It's a meat-sweet diet, heavy in the animal proteins, sweet beyond compare. in terms of the number of sources of sugar found in processed foods, I think only followed by a close second in terms of salt in processed food. And then, of course, there's the fascination with technology and why technology is wonderful and serves us in so many ways. It sets a scenario where we're much more sedentary. Uh, The combination has created... Uh, rates of obesity, um, overweight in this country like none other. Uh, type 2 diabetes used to be adult onset. We now see it in teenagers. And just a whole litany. Y- you know what I'm talking about. But the interesting corollary here. We now see patients, for example, being prepped for, for gastric bypass surgery, bariatric surgery, who are being termed, oh, we, we can't operate on you. Not because... Uh, The extra pounds have made you an anesthesia risk or coronary, a cardiology risk. That's true. But what we find is that obese people who have consumed a lot of food, and you would think, no way somebody that weighs 300, 350, 400 pounds is malnourished. But that's exactly what we are seeing. We are consuming a lot of empty calories and we now have malnourishment at at, at rates. We'll talk about what the British report out today is about uh, malnourishment in, in, in industrialized countries. But this new research out of Canada that's published in the current British Journal of Nutrition says that multiple vitamins and minerals could reduce appetite in women on a weight reduction uh, uh, regime that we are finding for the first time giving dietary supplements works to reduce appetite. Now, what can we learn from that? We can learn from that from the standpoint of taking a look at what happened when Dr. Dave Thomas out of Great Britain checked out 1940, 41, 42, 43, all the way to 1990 additions of the chemical composition of food. What he found was amazing. That broccoli in nineteen ninety had three quarters less iron and cauliflower had sixty percent less magnesium. That the the fast technology driven method of conventional agriculture and the use of nitrite fertilizers has forever changed the chemical composition of food. Code word for change the nutrient quality of food. So you may be eating a lot of calories and getting a lot of weight. You're not getting a lot of nutrients. Enter some of the studies, and we just talked about the one commissioned by the European Union, a four-year study done at Newcastle University in Great Britain on organic food. Up to 40% more antioxidants than food grown conventionally, i.e., it has more nutrients. Uh, And, for example, uh, milk um, from cows in an organic fashion, up to 80% more antioxidants. So you're getting more nutrients with the same amount of food. So you know. Have, Have you ever been to one of the big theme parks in this country with your family? And and thought after two days, maybe a weekend at a theme park, you know, I've eaten everything, but I'm basically just hungry. I just keep, you know, we go from the popcorn, we go (laughs) to the next, uh, you know, to the french fries, and you just just keep eating. And it hit me that, oh my goodness, I'm eating a lot of calories, but they're empty calories. They're not nutrient-dense. They're calories that are rich in sugar and salt and fat. Not good fat either, but they're not rich in nutrients. So with the correlation coming from two major Canadian universities, that multiple vitamin and mineral supplementation for women on a weight reduction program could reduce their appetite, think about that mechanism of action. Double Blind randomized controlled studies on women trying to lose weight and taking a look at supplemental nutrients and their appetite and what they found, their hunger level went down when they were supplementing with nutrients. If you said for the next two weeks, you're going to eat no processed foods, eat no bad fats, if you eat grains, eat only whole grains, it's difficult to eat a lot of food when you're eating whole grains and fresh fruits and vegetables. Because you can eat a, a, a lot of these foods, but you feel very full because of not only the nutrient content, but nutrients like fiber as well. So isn't intriguing that multiple vitamins and minerals could reduce appetite in women on a weight reduction regime? According to now two published studies in the British Journal of Nutrition, which has the larger message to all of us, struggling with keeping that weight off, Let's just see, you know, over the next week and maybe the week after that, making some subtle changes in our diet. Next week, no bad fats. The week after, eating grains, eat only whole grains. The week after, get some good fats each and every day. The week after, let's see how we can go organic. That multiple vitamins and minerals in our food and by supplementation, quote, benefit weight and hunger at a fundamental level. Isn't that intriguing? As is the British report um, uh, just out today, indicating from the British Association for Parental and Enteral Nutrition. These are the medical nutrition, you know, the IV tube feedings, the intravenous feedings. They found that one in four Brits admitted to hospitals were malnourished. We have found similar studies in this country that anesthesiologists about to anesthetize a patient for a procedure or a surgical procedure say, wow, look at the rates of of malnourishment in this country. If you go to cdc.gov, look around for the National Health and Nutrition Exam Survey. It may be abbreviated as NHANES. What you'll find is mind-boggling. 95% of Americans don't get optimal vitamin E. 40% of Americans don't get optimal vitamin C. 60% of Americans don't get optimal calcium. If you look at all age groups, up to 80% of Americans don't get enough magnesium. We're eating a lot of food, food grown conventionally or even processed food that doesn't contain the nutrients. And what we are seeing for the first time is malnourishment in a land of plenty of people who are eating on a regular basis but are not optimally nourished. No wonder that we are now seeing diseases of nutrient deficiency, migraines like never before. Magnesium deficiencies. Irregular heartbeats. Magnesium deficiencies like never before. Interesting indeed. We're going to return to talk about healthy pet talk. Dr. Wacky, Dr. Eric Witherspoon joins us today. We invite you to join us. Go to the phone. Call us at one eight hundred three zero seven three zero zero two. Your pet health questions right here on Healthy Talk Radio. Music.
0: The most affordable health insurance on earth. Healthy Talk Radio.
1: Healthy Pet Talk, we do it on a regular basis, and we do it with one of the best. Dr. Eric Witherspoon, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky, joins us. We invite you to join us at one 800 and probably true to form, we'll, we'll start out with the conversation, <laughs> but as always, you know we're here for you. So really, any of your pet health questions, but an opportunity to, to really talk about individuality. You, you know it's one of my hot buttons. I talk about each one of us have a genetic closet, you know, your genetic map is a little different than mine is a little different than than the next person and the next person but it's up to us how we fill that closet that we can affect genetic expression because of the dietary choices and lifestyle choices and laughter and and any number of lifestyle factors so just think about it you buy a mastiff and you have an apartment it's not going to work. And you feed a mastiff as you were feeding your chihuahua. Not going to work. <laughs> so let's talk about some individuality as it relates to those who oh, talk about health benefits. I know of nothing that benefits your health in so many more ways than your pets with Dr. Wacky. Hello and welcome, Dr. Wacky.
2: Good morning, Deborah, and good morning to everybody out there listening. I hope you all had a happy Thanksgiving.
1: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And uh, the opportunity to talk about, because, of course, this is the time of the year when we see a a lot of well-meaning individuals bringing Mastiffs home to two-bedroom apartments.
2: Right. Well, you know, it's funny you should mention Mastiffs. We have Mastiffs. And we live on 20 acres and oh. they're big. <laughs> they almost take up too much room. They like to lean. Um you know, I, 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 was thinking while you were going through this, I just thought of a perfect title for this and that's pet appropriateness. <laughs> See, and, and it is a good time there because go. here it is, it's right before Christmas and, and gift giving, uh, as far as animals. I just ran into a friend of mine in the grocery store yesterday said, I'm getting my first dog. And, and, uh, you know, it was her Christmas present from her husband. Uh-huh. And, and, uh, I think this is a good time to talk about this, Deborah, because pets, just like you said, we're, we're going to segue into health. We're not making this up. Phenomenal studies have been done to show the importance of the animal-human uh, bond and how important that is, that pet bond between uh, uh, people. And it's not just for people that live alone. It's any sort of person uh, and any sort of pet aids in that general health. I mean, look at the work that they've done in... in uh, uh, in facilities and health facilities, both young and old, are bringing in uh, animals to help oh, yes. people as they yes. go through recovery. Yes.
1: Talking there last was last Friday, we had a show. neurologist on, Dr. Wacky, who mm-hmm. deals in stroke and cerebral palsy and autism, and has a, it's a very unique facility. Where often the whole family is there, and they talked about the interaction because one of his teen daughters is just intensely interested in pet therapy mm-hmm. with just different types of birds, and different types of dogs, and you know one uh, member of the, of the the family gets involved with the dog, and then the autistic child, and they see just incredible. Exactly. Rides made with stroke and autism and attention deficit and cerebral palsy patients, just on the basis of the pets inter- pet interaction
2: exactly and and uh, um, you know it's funny over the years as being a veterinarian, every year I go to conferences of course, to keep up my license and just for general education, and every year there are more and more lectures and uh, and labs and 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 observations given and attended by veterinarians on. The animal-human bond and the pet animal-pet human bond. It's a very important door help. But back to this pet appropriateness. Uh, 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 this is not really an anecdote; it, it comes out anecdotally, but it's, it's a fact. Years ago, when Walt Disney came out with uh, 101 Dalmatians uh, Cruella De
1: Vil, yes, every, exactly,
2: <laughs> Cruella De Vil. Don't get me started singing. We, we, have, we do have sensitive ears on the uh, We, we, uh, every, uh, there was a run. At pet stores and through breeders, the people went running out and bought Dalmatians because they they thought they were all going to be these cute little squirmy uh, dogs, totally responsive, just like the the ones that were animated by Walt Disney. Well, three to four months later, shelters were filled with unwanted, discarded Dalmatians. Uh, And a lot of it is this. The Dalmatian is, and this is not a relatively high-strung dog, they need to be in certain situations. They do have some unique situations, uh, uh, conditions, uh, such as uric, they form a uric acid stone. That's just kind of a, an aside there, but it's something that people need to be aware of. And so they bought these dogs that grow from little puppies into a 60, 80 pound dog that wants to move, is wiry, has a tail that slaps around, and, and all of a sudden <laughs> the cute little puppy that they got for their cute little kids that had seen the movie, um, has overrun their house. No fault of the dog. It's the fault of the owner. And I think that's really important. That, that, that anecdote right there is one of those things that uh, um, that I want people to be leery of. Yeah. And I think a really important thing, Deborah, is when people go to look for a pet, is talk to your veterinarian. You would be amazed at, at how much information you can get, not just from their health. There's some great books out, the, the genetic aspects of purebred dogs, all the way to just the characteristics of dogs. And uh, even if you can't get that book out of the library or something like it, uh-huh. speaking to your vet or the vet staff is wonderful. They'll be able to say to you, oh, you don't want to get that dog. <laughs> or you want to get this dog. This is a good one. Uh, you know, your, your, um, your friend of mine, Nancy Gore, who who helps me put this together with sure, you every week, sure, sure. Uh, said they live in California, Southern California, and they bought a border collie. And they live in a house. Oh. In a suburban area of California. And all that border collie wants to do is herd animals. Yeah. Instinctively these dogs are bred to go out and herd cows and and sheep and, and ducks. Anything that anything that runs in a flock or a herd.
1: You know uh, uh, everyone knows the story in fact uh, we uh, one time we even have pictures online um, you know had had a couple of chihuahuas uh, fed them organically, very healthy, never had to uh, you know to to really have any medical intervention because <laughs> these dogs you know we did, I, I screamed with the with the pesticide use <laughs> right. you know, we got up and and fed them organically uh, you know on a daily basis and and then we happened to have a male and female, and had a litter, well, you know chihuahuas you know two three puppies. we had nine healthy puppies <laughs> nine healthy puppies, so it was a matter to you know we 're not going to keep all nine right. <laughs> don 't even go there right so you know to to take a look at situations uh-huh. and and uh, i uh, 'm a, a sap anyway, there you <laughs> and go. you don 't want to you know place an animal in in a home. Um, I mean, because to me it just tears your heart out in terms of, you know, you don't want to have to have them call you and say, this isn't working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nor do you want to worry all the time that, that it's not, you know, it's, it's not a match. And I never thought of asking the vet mm-hmm. because I'm sure you know it's so much emotional as opposed to. <laughs>
2: exactly. And, and I'll tell you something here, since we're dealing on health, I, I don't think it's wrong. I think it's very helpful for the vet and the vet staff. I, I will tell people. I'll use this as an example. And again, I apologize in advance to everybody that owns a cocker spaniel. I'm not picking on them. I just use them as an example. Okay. We, I grew up with cocker spaniels. Um, the uh, they may have they may be more prone to ear infections. So I just tell the people up front. This is a cute little puppy. I want you to be aware of the things that you may be encountering with this dog, even if you are the greatest owner in the world. So these are the things I want you to be aware of. And I think that's really important to know in advance. These are the conditions or the problems that certain breeds, whether it's dogs or cats or pocket pets like hamsters and gerbils and stuff, these are the problems that you may encounter. So let's be prepared together as a team, you as the owner, uh, you know, me as the as the care provider, as the veterinarian, to help you with that to be aware of that. And some people might go, "Oh, I don't have the time to deal with that sort of situation. Okay, well, let's look at another pet then." So, just That's a good,
1: thought. Good thought. Good thoughts. Well, we're open to your thoughts as well and your questions. It's Healthy Pet Talk with Dr. Eric Witherspoon, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky, joining us today. We're a phone call away, 1-800-307-3002. Whether it's a story to share or a question to ask, Healthy Pet Talk with Dr. Wacky joining us today right here on Healthy Talk Radio.
0: Warning, Healthy Talk Radio presents revolutionary information that could cause facial tics and foaming at the mouth, but it's backed up by documented research and presented by credentialed guests. It may not represent the views of this network, this radio station, or its sponsors, but hey, it's not like they went to medical school.
1: Our line's open. You have the opportunity to pick up the phone and join us with Dr. Eric Witherspoon, a.k.a. Dr. Wacky, joining us today for Healthy Pet Talk. Any of your health care stories uh, or questions about pet health at 1-800-307-3002. That's 1-800-307-3002. And, and just as with that, you know, that individual temperament and, and breeding in terms of a need to run or a need to hurt, Heard, you know, how, how does that affect nutrition? Because obviously, um, you know, we can be, you know, feeding organically, um, but if we don't have, you know, the proper nutritional knowledge in terms of mastiffs versus Chihuahua, I suspect we can go astray here, Doctor Wacky.
2: That's right, you know, and that's an interesting uh, thought that you brought up, considering the two kind of ends of the spectrum of size of dogs there, the Chihuahua and the Mastiff. And people just assume, when, when we had three Mastiffs at a time out here, they said, oh, your dog food bill must be outrageous. And believe it or not, these 200-pound Mastiffs ate no more than an 80- or 90-pound Labrador. Uh, and so the, the tendency would be to put out way too much food for a larger dog. And here again, this is where you work with your veterinarian or your breeder um, on determining The size of the dog, the, the ideal weight for that dog, and again, remember we've talked about this in the past, just as in human health, Deborah, obesity in pets is just a real, really great.
1: told you the story. Probably many people listening to us have heard the story. You know, we, we, we moved from, from, uh, from Kentucky University of Louisville to, to Florida with, with two chihuahuas and started using you know, a tap water. Uh, didn't, mm-hmm. did, didn't didn't know, didn't think. I uh, you know, started having breast tumors and then when I switched to, you know, to filtered water, have not had a breast tumor in the last 27 right. years.
2: It, and, and of course, you're smaller a pet like a chihuahua is yeah. going to be much more prone to changes metabolically uh, when, when, there, when we know that there are, are uh, uh, problems in the water and the food, when we know that these things are tainted by whatever it might be, uh, chemicals or mineral uh, uh, deposits that, that are not filtered out, a smaller pet is going to be more prone to problems. You know, we we've picked on dogs, Deborah, and I I want to I don't want to I don't want to make the cat people mad up there. (laughs) You know, cats have overcome have have overtaken dogs now as the as the single most uh, really uh, 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 yep in in the United States there are just as many cat households as there are dog households, and oftentimes people might have one maybe two dogs, but they might have multiple cats because they're smaller and easier to handle. And one thing I want to stress is just the increase in allergic responses in humans to certain pets, and there again, I think that's so important when you go to get a pet, that you understand your own health, your own allergic, possible allergic responses, and recognize that certain people are going to have reactions to the dander of dogs and cats, and even certain dogs and cats uh, vary among themselves as far as their allergenic nature. Some of them are more hypoallergenic than than others, and Uh it has to do with their
1: Interesting, because we were talking, I was mentioning the neurologist and, and you know, the daughter who was intensely interested in pet therapy. In fact, she actually set up with some 30 different assisted living homes in the area for, yeah. so, you know, for some, some regular pet therapy that you know, she knew instinctively just because of her experiences. I mean, here's a, you know, a, a 13, 14-year-old in, in a medical practice that certain birds, for example, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just because of, of their inherent, uh, you know, character and nature, you know, are either better for for autism or stroke patients. Um, and we, we, we you know, I, I don't think many of us appreciate that fact, Doctor Wacky.
2: Exactly, exactly. And and another thing we'll we'll go back into is that there are not. Um, fortunately, we live in a country i will I will laud our system of the USDA and the fda at least you know protecting us as much as they possibly can in some ways against diseases and and there aren 't a lot of what we call zoonotic diseases that we see a, a tremendous amount of but it, but but parasites the external parasites that dogs and cats can carry in particular fleas and bites mm-hmm, right. can be a problem to humans too so there again. Um, when you take on the responsibility of a pet, they're not just there to to give you that good feeling. You have a lot of responsibility to work with them uh, to make sure that they are free of both the internal and external parasites, besides their their good feeding condition.
1: Sure, I'm sure when you have kids and, and pets, you know it's everything that's on the floor. That's right. <laughs> is in both of their mouths. That's right. <laughs> and, you know, we just had a situation. Um, um, uh, Um, My sister, you know, two very small children. Chow, a little two-year-old. She is very much Dennis the Menace. And now, Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, uh, you know, somebody uh, Haley's being rushed to the hospital. The Chow has, you know, uh, you know, bit Haley on the face and plastic surgery. And everybody's, you know, wringing their hands in terms of, oh my goodness, we've had this dog for thirteen years. Now what?
2: Right. And and you know, there. you just brought up two really interesting points: age. Okay. A thirteen year old dog of any breed is going to be a little testy. I love somebody just sent me something that says, Don't uh don't tick off older people. They're already mad at being old you know <laughs> and, and it's the same thing with dogs. Don't tick off the old dogs, they're already mad because they're old. Um, and, and and chows. You you have to remember, we have to remember.
1: have to wonder, you know, all the vaccinations, all the processed foods, you know, so many of these animals, um, you know, uh, fed, you know, uh, that dry food, and I right. you know, worry about things like, you know, we talk about, you know, good fats in terms of behavior and learning ability for children, you know, exactly. why isn't the corollary true for, for, for pets as well, it, Dr. Wacker it,
2: It's very true, and you know, and all this all this really began to change. Probably 30 years ago, when <clears throat> when science diet two two companies, I hope they, I really, I want people to know they're not paying us to say this. I think it's just really important to give uh, 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 s- some some laud, <laughs> some some kudos to to the Morris company, Morris Foundation and and the Iams Company that really said we're going to provide nutritional scientific data for this, and because of that, most dog foods now. And most cat foods and pet foods have followed those nutritional standards, uh, to be able to determine, just as you said, the good, the bad pets, the good, the, the organic versus, uh, you know, of course, there are, there are companies out there. There's a little company in North Carolina that produces a raw diet for, for pets. It's just a great little company up and coming called Petoria, uh, that has more information about raw diets for, for pets than anybody else that I know out there. And, uh, you know, every animal is going to be. Treated differently, uh, some of it according to how the people will respond and 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 their pocketbook, you know what they want to spend on right, their right. on their pets, but but all that nutritional data is available either through the, the reputable pet food companies or again through your veterinarian. Uh, usually, there's tons of literature that you can get through that vet's office, and even if the vet him or herself can't speak with you. The vet techs and the staff that run these offices are just wonderful. They're the ones, oftentimes, dealing with the nutritional issues with the with the pets. So, utilize them for sure. I, I, I encourage people.
1: Well, you know, people who, for example, uh, think that they're doing their pets a failure uh, you know a favor to keep food down all the time. Oh, right. I'm sure. I mean, that. Wrong. <laughs> do... <laughs>
2: wrong. 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 You know, that's convenient. Right. <laughs> but, but really, you know, we look at uh, uh, like figuring out the number of calories and the, and and. Uh, the, the number of uh, you know, exactly the amount of food that a dog or a cat a certain weight should get per day and recognizing that some animals are more kind of grazing animals like cats will come and eat a little bit and walk away. Some dogs scarf their food down all at one thing. You talk with your vet or, or your breeder on whether somebody uh, a pet should be fed once or twice a day and, and that, amount, that amount of food is put down.
1: I you think, know, just speaking for myself, I mean, you don't tend to think in vets in terms of, of really lifestyle educators when it comes to your pets, but, but I mean, there's a, a, certainly a resource there that exactly. I don't think many of us, you know, even just from, from, from temperament, and of course, you know, that you know uh, calls into play, you know, activity, you know, that those dogs that that need <laughs> the the border collie space, you know, versus the uh, uh, you know the, the teacup dog. Um, That it can can make a huge difference.
2: Right. And and I will, again, give kudos to my staff. I would say that my my support staff, the the people who work the front desk and are the veterinary technicians and see the dogs, they, they may even know and be more knowledgeable in many cases.
1: I was just I was when I did this interview and, and was talking with this, this young lady, this 13-year-old, about you know the, the pet therapy that she'd organized in her, her father's neurology practice and what she was doing in the area. Uh, we we talked about uh, the nursing home concept, But I've had the opportunity to talk uh, to Dr. Bill Thomas, who started this Eden Alternative, where uh, you know assisted living nursing home facilities have a, a community in terms of, uh, you know, cats and dogs and, and, and birds that are part of it. Right. Uh, you know, we can certainly see in terms of uh, seniors that, that a pet offers so much, but, but there you really want, at least in my mind, Dr. Wacking, really want to make an informed uh, choice, not only in terms of nutrition, but really tep- uh, you know, uh, temperament. It's not only as important for that 2-year-old, I think exactly. it's as important for the 70-year-old.
2: Exactly, and, and that's a really good point because it seems that the really young, the young person, a two and a three-year-old, a child, a toddler, and sometimes an older person may not have the same control over their body yeah. uh, as far as just even touching or petting that animal. So the temperament of that animal, recognizing that they're not in danger when a when a young person or somebody, a, a patient in bed. Handles them a little differently, you know. Touches them a little differently, sure, comes at them sure. a little differently, and that's a really good point. And and you know, there are foundations that that, that actually before you can go into most reputable um, homes with any dog like this, right. they have to be licensed as a pet therapy dog, and and there's some requirements that they go through. And and of course, one of the requirements is that they, is that that dog has been spayed or neutered. They do not want intact males or female dogs uh, or cats going into these homes. So there's no there's no possibility you know sure, whatsoever sure. of a of an animal in heat or, or anything right, like that. Right. So that's one of the first requirements right there hmm. uh, is is a neutered animal. And of course, uh, I'll give my little cat uh, on my soapbox and talk about how important that is to do anyway. Right, uh, right, with a number right. of shelters that are just overflowing yeah. with unwanted pets or, or discarded pets, yeah. um, spaying and neutering is the, the single most important thing that you can do.
3: Uh, for has your a pet for and you. for yourself.
1: Brian has a question for you. Let's say hello and welcome to Brian. You're out of the air with uh, Dr. Witherspoon. Dr. Wacky, Brian.
3: Hey, Dr. Witherspoon. Thanks for being on. Good morning, Brian. Thanks. Uh, I have a 100-pound golden retriever. Okay. Uh, He's about 8 years old. We're not sure exactly his age because he came from a a rescue. Mm -hmm. But anyhow, big guy has a lot of trouble with his back hips. Right. And, uh, you know, the funniest thing, I mean, you know, he's taking... Uh, glucosamine and MSM and all. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, it seems to help him somewhat. But one of the things that our vet said was that peculiar to the breed is that Goldens suffer in silence.
2: They, they really do. You know, I got to tell you, if I could pick any one dog that always has a smile on its face, it's the Golden Retriever. I, I've never seen a dog. They're, those breeds are amazing. Uh, that breed is amazing. And, and it, is, it is one of the best family dogs you could possibly have. a um, hundred pounds, depending on the size of the you know the, the bone structure of that dog, that's on the high side for a gold retriever.
1: So All that thought and we'll be back.
0: If you think macrobiotic is a computer virus, you need healthy talk radio.
1: Healthy Pet Talk with Dr. Eric Witherspoon, aka Dr. Wacky, joining us today. We're talking about Brian and his 100 pound golden retriever uh, uh, with that hip uh, problem, suffering in science. Brian, welcome back.
2: Thank you. Hi, hi Brian. I, I, listen, if I, I know we've just got a short amount of time, but I wanted to. The, most, the, the single most important thing you can do with, with the, is really control your dog's weight. Um, you know, getting any excess weight off of that dog. Is going to really help, especially as they get older with their bad hips. The mm-hmm. second thing I'd suggest, if you haven't done it already, on, an, on a you know, late middle-aged retriever, ten years of age like that, is a simple X-ray. It, and, and, and usually I would take two. And here's why: if you do uh, what we call a hip film, you can determine the shallowness or, or, the, or the actual joint health of both hips, I and see. that is really important because of the unfortunate problem that we see in especially um, middle-sized larger dogs of hip dysplasia. Okay, And right. the second thing is that the lateral view will give you a view of the spinal cord, spinal column, so you can see whether or not we have what's a very common condition called spondylosis, or spondylosis deformants in these larger dogs that forms these little arthritic uh, pieces of bone between linking the two uh, the vertebrae together. By simply having that, you and your veterinarian then can make an informed decision about not only medication, but perhaps even uh, some surgical. And I'm not talking about a hip replacement, you know, at this at this age for your dog, but but some surgical procedures that may help take away that pain. Because you said it right, you hit the money on uh, on the nose here when you said that the dog that, that retrievers suffer in silence, they may be in a lot of pain. And, and just want to please you so much, they want to jump up and run around and chase the ball, and, and you never know how badly they hurt.
3: Yes. Well, see, the funniest thing is when it, when he's moving ahead forward, he's fine, but it seems like when he tries to move laterally, then they just give out. But it's right. it's, it's not like he... As, as you and I would, if we had pain, I mean, we'd be walking gingerly or anything like that. Right. He doesn't do it, so you know, it. naturally, we're hoping he's not in pain. But sure, uh, the poor guy. And, and as far he has a big frame, so Doctor Tom says he's ninety. Around ninety would be ideal for him. Right? And he's you know he's down to around a hundred now. Sure. So. Uh, but you know he's just such a wonderful doggy, and yeah. and uh, you know Dr. Tom had suggested that uh, perhaps a hip replacement was a way to go. Uh, do you feel that at, at eight or nine he's too old to do that, or what? Well, I, I, I'm going to give you the
2: practical side. I always like I always think with people's pocketbooks and also right. the recovery for the dog. There is a simpler procedure called an FHO, a femoral head osteotomy, where we actually remove. Femoral head—that's the joint. That—that's the part of the uh, leg that fits into the hip. I and, see. and what you do is you actually are then removing the the surface that's rubbing together between the leg. Believe it or not, they heal exceptionally well, mm-hmm. and you never know. Several months after the surgery, that you just removed. Part of their joints basically, instead of replacing it with a very expensive pr- procedure, that's another possibility.
1: Dr. And Wacky, we are completely out of time. Brian nope. will give you a phone number if you need more information. Our thanks to Brian, thanks, our thanks Deborah. to Dr. Wacky, and Deborah a reminding you to live long, stay healthy.